Amazing. Thank you, everyone, for joining Maxwell Video Podcast. If you are listening to us on Apple, Google, Spotify, or any of your favorite podcast platforms, that's wonderful. But please make time to watch it again later on YouTube uh, to see how amazing Sven looks in real life. If you've been watching this for a while now, you know I don't like to do the introduction myself because everyone is so much better at presenting uh, what they do and the journey. So, Sven, welcome. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks, Anna. So nice to be here. Thank you. I'm incredibly honored. So I would love for you to spend just a few minutes to tell everyone about your uh, backstory. I know everyone knows most of it, but it would just be nice for people that are maybe new to the industry and don't know who you are. Okay, thank you so much. So my name is Sven Platte. I am originally, I'm German-Korean. I'm the founder of a platform called digistore24.com, which is basically a combination of a very powerful affiliate network and a reseller models, which means that we also do payment processing, invoicing, affiliate attribution, actually paying out the affiliate, right, actually automatically writing and sending the invoices, delivering the product, et cetera, et cetera, which is usually digital products, memberships, eBooks, online courses, you name it. Also supplements and books. So physical stuff as well. We are currently the market leader in Europe. Um, by far, we are also now conquering the English market and especially the US. Very happy about that. Uh, I started 10 years ago with that. Uh, before that, I used to sell information products, courses on yeah, personal development, getting better, um, being more successful with relationships. Uh, weight loss, fitness, all these fun topics that really interest me personally as well. And before that, I used to be a dentist. That That's so amazing. And I'm so glad that you shared that because I wasn't sure if you're you know, comfortable with everyone knowing your backstory. But I think it's so amazing and important for people to know that we are humans. I mean, you're such a successful entrepreneur, but you had a normal career at one point. And more than that, you were a product owner. So you're not just this uh, successful founder that really understands online business. You are actually in the shoes of someone that decided at one point to sell products online, how many of our viewers are doing. So I think it's going to be so valuable. I mean, I know it's been obviously a while since you did that, but if you were to start again, uh, your journey as a product mm-hmm. owner, not with all the knowledge you have now, but some of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What, what product would you would choose and what would you do better technically? Because I know your company is so good at all the technical aspects on selling stuff online. Thank you so much. So which year are we in? Are we in 2022 or uh, anywhere else? Uh, 2009. 2009. Okay. So, <laughs> um, so, so I, I think if, if I want to create a product or a service, it has to be based on my own interest and passion. Mm. So basically, um, if we were to turn back the wheel, I would do exactly the same stuff, which is, <laughs> you know, I was 
I had a period in life where I was very interested in everything around dating psychology and dating psychology translates very much to anything in business because business is nothing else but re building relationships. Um, dating is nothing else but building relationships. It's really the same thing. So learning about all these social dynamics and uh, the way of how to build and maintain and enrich a relationship has been really powerful to me in building my own personal network, my own relationships with people um, in general. Also understanding the sales process, it's been very valuable. So back then, the online marketing that we know now is kind of, was kind of very new. It was very virgin, so to speak. So back then, Google was very unregulated when it came to ads. Back then, Facebook was very unregulated. So you could you could actually, that was a time where you could actually, you have these long-form sales letters, if well-written, you could make a ton of money with those things. So probably I'd do those. But what I would do differently would be, I would have engaged way earlier in everything around the knowledge of cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, Ethereum, you know, all these things. I am guilty of having ignored that for a very long time. I had a good reason. My reason was I wanted to be focused because I knew, you know, I'm a very curious, I'm kind of like a child. If I'm curious about something, I just forget the time and I forget everything around me and I'm just dig deeper and deeper and deeper. And then I'm like, oops, I should have done some other work, <laughs> you know? So That's amazing, I know. Because we hear, I, I've, you know, obviously uh, we have a lot of common friends in the industry and a lot of the super affiliates are kind of uh, torn. There, uh, There's almost like no middle ground. You either love everything from crypto to NFTs uh, and all the beautiful new technology, or you're kind of like, you know what, we're going to lose money. I'm just not going to get into it. But I have to agree that is too much of a, big piece of the puzzle what's going on right now so i i'm honestly i'm not educated at all when it comes to uh that aspect of tech and online business i wish i was like uh you know our business maxweb is uh my second baby so it requires all my attention but yeah i um i'd love to see that you guys are pursuing that if, if you can share anything with us uh about I, i've seen you uh go to a few conferences about mm -hmm nfts as well is there anything interesting that you can share with us that uh, obviously we wouldn't know so as of today like fast forward to 2022 back from 2009 to 2022 we're in a situation where the economy is kind of crazy we had the c crisis and the c crisis basically um, made the government, all kinds of governments, to print a lot of money and inflate, uh, whereas at the same time, the supply of goods and services decreased because a lot of shop, shops had to close, a lot of supply chains broken down. So we have this decrease of services and goods while having way much, much more money amount-wise. This is called inflation. And uh, even mainstream media is admitting that we are in yeah, in kind of an infla inflatory uh, like situation right now. 
So one way to escape, like one way to escape that is obviously cryptocurrency and therefore NFTs as well. Hmm. So that's why those things are interesting because if you make money like every entrepreneur has this thing okay so the first thing if you make money is obviously reinvest in your business and reinvest in yourself like you know getting better and smarter about what you do but what if you make so much money what if you want to actually invest in other things than your own business only it makes sense to invest the majority of your money into your own business but nevertheless you also want to find other ways to yeah secure your uh, wealth basically and here cryptocurrencies are increasingly interesting because real estate is inflated um one part of like where does all the printed money go to actually it goes to first and foremost it goes to assets to to the stock market like these big investment companies, like when the government prints a lot of money, this they are kind of like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but to my knowledge, they're kind of like the guys who get the most money of the freshly printed money. So stocks inflate. So we have a, an asset inflation regarding stocks. Um, we have crazy high real estate prices. I think, you know, countries like Germany have heavily inflated real estate. Uh, I think... Miami as well and that won't always go so well because the banks are in kind of a crisis and I don't want to uh, you know spread too much panic here but this is why crypto are interesting as an alternative to secure your wealth because cryptocurrencies inherently have less infl are less inflated than fiat currencies so uh, if you have to, if I had to decide, uh, keeping a lot of money between keeping a lot of money in the bank versus in cryptocurrency, I would choose cryptocurrency, and of course precious metals, and of course because of the leverage, uh, some real estate still makes sense, but I believe that it should be a bit diversified, not too much if you know what you're doing, but a bit diversified, and that's why those things are interesting. And recently we've seen a big big hype around nfts like a big one like you know i i have a friend um who minted 10 board apes he paid about i don't know maybe three thousand us dollars for for them and now is worth like more than seven million like these three thousand it's crazy so the the and i also honestly i i bought an i bought a board ape i also a proud ape holder and I got airdropped, which means like a gift. This is like the term for it. I got airdropped Ape Coins, which is a cryptocurrency of the Ape, of this Ape Yacht Club, this organization. Um, and it was 133,000 US dollars. And now it's gone up to 188. Like yesterday, I checked the value is one hundred eighty-eight thousand US dollars, and I just oh, you have you you are an ape holder, so we'll give you ten thousand ape coins, and these ape coins have that value, and it's just like, and I've never I've never seen any free money stuff like this anywhere else, so it's kind of interesting. It's just for me, it's too interesting to ignore. If you don't, I think you you. 
you don't have to understand it perfectly, but you have to you have to put it into context and you have to be able to make smart decisions for your business because some of that might also in the future at some point be relevant as a means of payment. Um, and you also have to be smart about your money that you make because inflation is real and your money is losing value, your fiat money. All right, beautiful. So I was nodding. Uh, Christina told me the sound is much better when I mute myself. So that's why I was just uh, nodding. But uh, let's say I want uh, to buy uh, an NFT tomorrow. I want to be part of the Ape Club, just like you said. Where do I go? Tell me something as basic as that. I don't even know where to start. Okay, so basically, and this is it's a bit complicated just to warn you it's a bit complicated if you want to buy an ape you first of all you need a metamask for your own wallet you have a private wallet it's like a virtual wallet basically it's it's an address you can send cryptocurrencies to that is your own that you only have the keys and ne please never give out the keys never give out the password and never get give out the seed phrase which is a 12 word phrase that you basically need to access your wallet and whoever has the, those seed words or those 12 words is the owner of that thing so be careful with that never give that out and don't have it in digital form so this is like the most important thing to know about it. okay so if you once you have that it's called metamask wallet to send some cryptocurrency to your metamask wallet uh, and you can do that through so-called centralized exchanges sexes of Kraken is a good recommendation. Uh, I used Bitpanda, not so, such a great experience. And uh, Bitrix, uh, Binance, these these uh, platforms do stuff like that. So you wire transfer your US dollar there, and then you can exchange it there to a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin or ETH. ETH is the the, the cryptocurrency of the Ethereum network, and those. Uh, NFTs are on the Ethereum network because it has the technology to use so-called smart contracts, which is kind of like programmable automation for certain transactions. And uh, this is what NFTs basically use. And then you can go to OpenSea, OpenSea. I think it's IO, and you can buy NFTs there. But you can you have to be very very careful because most of those most of those are scams. And there's a lot of, you know, accounts that sell bored apes, identical pictures. But if you're buying from the wrong account, your money is gone and you don't have an actual ape. You just, you know, it's, 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 there's a lot of pitfalls. And I, I would really suggest like, if you plan on doing that, like, please ask someone to help you who has experience with that and invest the money because there's so many pitfalls if you for example if you buy bitcoin send it to an ethereum address it's gone it's lost like forever and all these things you know unnecessary things that don't have to happen and uh, so basically the way is uh go to a centralized exchange exchange us dollar for ethereum ether and then send your eth to your wallet and with your wallet you have to connect then to um OpenSea which is the platform where everybody sells and buys NFTs. And here you go. Then you can have an NFT. And 
in general, educate yourself first about NFTs. It's you can make so many stupid investments and many, especially celebrities, they're trying to use their name to sell high priced NFTs, like in the very beginning, but usually they drop in value. So um, please be careful, uh, be curious, learn a lot about it, have patience and uh, know that I assume that the NFT market will also go down at some point, just like cryptos did, because cryptos did and because NFTs are basically a derivative of um, yeah, cryptos. So because cryptocurrencies go down like 85% in value every few years or so, NFTs will probably too. And so you don't have to feel pressure to enter that market, but it's good to know about that stuff. I am so glad the conversation uh, took us in this direction. Um, I don't know if you've watched the Maxwell podcast before, but actually I'm pretty strict and I always make the speakers present this, you know, presentations with mm. the deck and a lot of uh, information. And with you, I was just so certain no matter what topic we open, I knew it was going to be very smart and informational to everyone watching. So it's Thank it's you. really I'm uh, you know we started discussing NFTs and I've already learned so much. Well, it's 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 brilliant. I promise if I decide to uh, look into it, I will do my homework. Um, I, I do think you cannot ignore it. So as a parallel to this. Do you have, do you guys have affiliates or product owners? Like I know when we run and send traffic to, uh, to your offers, we have an American bank account, so it's easy. Mm -hmm. uh, what about the partners that want to get paid uh, with crypto or, you know, um, different uh, money options? What, what do you guys do? do you, are you already doing it? Do you envision yourself and the company being able to offer it in our industry to affiliates or product owners? yeah that's a very good question at the moment we don't offer to pay out cryptos because um because there's not this big of a demand so if you're in let's say web 2 you're still dealing with no normal money with fiat money us dollars etc etc credit cards paypal etc um crypto is not yet really a significant means of being paid because you know it's more it's mostly used as a store of value or a speculation object so people you know you we usually people you know affiliates are usually businesses and businesses normally need in order to operate they need to pay their employees they need to pay for ads etc etc they don't do that with crypto so it's not like really interesting for them i think the point if we had mass adoption like for, for end customers if they wanted to if a big majority of them or like let's say just 30 40 percent wanted to pay in crypto and would insist on it like if we were in el salvador or venezuela that could be the case then it wouldn't actually make sense but before that it doesn't really make sense because anything that we that you incorporate into your platform is also need needs to be maintained makes it makes everything more complicated everyone anyone who gets onboarded working with us you know ha has additional work so we really have to choose like what really makes a difference and i don't see crypto yet unless of course you're a crypto company to bring that much of of a value for affiliates and vendors because they they got to pay their bills in in us dollars and euros still 
that's a, such a, a beautiful point and smart business-wise because yes it's innovative it's something we want to be looking into but you're right i mean even super affiliates that make 50k a day they need to put a lot of that money back into running ads so yeah they need cash, they need the cash flow more than anything so that makes perfect sense but um it's i am certain that if uh, it would ever be a demand you guys would figure it out how to make it happen for for your partners of course so you were into digital products before we run we've noticed a lot of the things so we are more of a super an affiliate than anything so we have a lot of our affiliate partners that we love but we also love to test new traffic sources right so i've noticed a switch the last two years where it's more profitable for us to run supplements not digital offers now we still run a lot of digital offers a lot of you know our common friends in the space still have wonderful digital products that work but i've seen this huge switch where people create a lot of supplements right mm. so i want to uh hear your opinion on it do you think supplements are the ones that are going to take over and they're, they're going to be more um you know profitable is it going to be a combination or you envision digital products having a comeback of some sort in the near future interesting question so let me break it down a little bit with digital products which is purely information specialist information basically you have in my opinion a, a bigger variety of potential products potential use cases what is really being sold on like if you compare that to supplements like I think the market is much smaller for supplements because what can you do with supplements? Usually it's for weight loss. Like these are the, like the most popular supplements uh, or for anti-aging being a bit healthier, but um, for like really profitable online campaigns and online sales, large scale, it's quite, I think the market is a bit thinner. So you will have some big supplement players, which exist uh, right now as well. But with information products, you can have way more variety because there's way more problems to solve, to be solved with information rather than with supplements. Because with supplements, again, in my opinion, it's mainly weight loss. And, and there's just also many people who can like overtake the market with weight loss so 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 there's a handful of people where whereas with online courses and stuff you can there is like thousands of subjects uh, for ebooks and online courses versus for supplements so i think i think um i think supplements are are a great business to be in i really like them because if you if you want to for example you know i i always tell people to focus on subscription subscription models because they give you financial stability and subscribers like month monthly subscribers that's great it's very hard to do with information products it's nearly impossible to do with ebooks it's hard to do with online memberships because you got to do new content etc and left and right and at the same time there's a lot of interesting free content like this one you know so it's hard to sell 
uh, information. But and with supplements, it's great because you know if someone has a supplement subscription, then you just need to keep making the supplement as as the entrepreneur, as the vendor who who creates uh, the, the supplement offer, and then you have just like your automated shipment, and the customer is happy because he gets the uh, supplements he or she, and uh, the vendor is happy. That's pretty cool. However, at the same time, the market is much smaller and the competition is harder, in my opinion. So these are my thoughts about that. That's, that's brilliant and so interesting. So uh, we used to obviously run uh, a lot of uh, weight loss. And oh, as everyone knows, my, big, my background is in business. So the idea was, let's not focus as much on weight loss supplements because we like to be like Switzerland. We really don't want to compete. We want to have our own path, mm -hmm. be amazing at what we do. So long story short, we actually run a lot of supplements that are not in the weight loss space. Mm -hmm. And you're right. You are so correct. The weight loss space, it's um, it's so competitive. Uh, it's, it offers that make those, you know, sweet 3000 sales every day. I get it but it's highly competitive. Um, affiliates have a hard time because, you know, you're going to have your outbrain, your YouTube, your Facebook campaign stolen, right? So there are many categories that I've noticed do very well lately, like nerve, osteo, back pain, mm -hmm. vision, uh, neck and shoulder, like the supplements that are not really in that category that you see everywhere. So I'm honestly very excited for you to, to hear you talk about uh, informational products. Uh, it's no secret, Emily Lark is one of my good and dear friends, and she has a digital informational product. And it's always brilliant to see how well that product does, right? And uh, I know there are many other people that have been considering it. So it'll be very interesting to see uh, in the next year how many people come up with digital products. Uh, and I also wanted to ask you, like, I know a lot about the U.S. market, but um, what about the European market? Mm. Do they like to focus on informational offers? Uh, do they like to focus on supplements, uh, affiliates? Tell me about them. Like, do they usually run email? How you see in the direct response world or they go to Google or Facebook? Affiliates have a big emphasis on Facebook ads, like for real. But I've seen this as well in the US market. So this counts for both um, European and US affiliates and products. Um, products are mainly digital versus physical. There is some nice physical offers, but um, people are very much into selling uh, digital information because it's kind of, um, yeah, it's, you can you can do a lot with that. What I see is the race of, I would say, faces and personas and influencers. So if you really want to sell information well, like in the like a few years ago, you could still do that anonymously. But if you want to do that successfully nowadays, you ideally have a personal brand behind it to back it up and to let's say create trust because people nowadays are a little bit more skeptical. This is why also recently, um, like in the in the overall total market, if you look at it, the market went a little bit down because people are a little bit more skeptical about information. 
probably because because they got burned in the, in the past and maybe they're like also there's some type of saturation but really the the way the way of uh, cutting through the noise is to build a personal brand to be visible um to be touchable and um to get out there in social media and uh, also of course have the usual thing like email marketing still super super big email marketing is still like one of the biggest ways to launch and uh, sell products but we used to think pe people need like seven contact points with uh, someone before they buy a product um, seven contact points meaning reading an article reading an email um hearing about you, hearing an opinion some in some by some other YouTube influence, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think this has risen. This has risen up to probably 16. And you should be on social media in order for people to be able to have those contact points with you. And then you can still cut through the noise. And if you do your job really well, if you convince people in the free content, then you can also convince them to buy and it's not so much about a hard sale like with uh, the perfect sales layer it's more about your personal brand it's more about your brand and if people trust you amazing thank you all right so from your expert opinion you have a huge company you have many brilliant people that you know and you meet at you know your masterminds and conferences what do you think is the most profitable profitable aspect of our industry because i see people many times i see affiliates trying to switch and become product owners i see product owners trying to get into media buying because the grass is always greener i see people give up on their email list and learning how to become copywriters i'm so curious from where you're standing what do you see as a very profitable job is it the product owner is it the affiliate is it the copywriter is it the investor or the founder <laughs> who, who mm -hmm. is the who is best that's a very difficult question i have to think about that a little bit um so if i were to decide this i can definitely say that the one who controls the product is able to make upsells even without the affiliate later so the affiliate it you can you can incorporate the affiliate in and probably they, they they'll appreciate it in your upsells but ultimately you don't really have to because um there is a lot of product owners who just, you know, who have built like, for example, with digital products uh, and their email list, a relationship with the customers and then, for example, get them on the phone or into a webinar and make another upsell and then uh, make sell high price products. So there's a big trend for high price products that not always necessarily involve an affiliate. So I would say um, this is a, yeah, a pretty profitable way of making money. However, if you're really good at um, making ads and at media buying, like, for example, our friends at Kendago, if you're really good at that and specialized in that, then you can get a lot from the product owners. You can get a lot of margin from them, from, from their sales. So 
it really it, it's kind of like asking like which 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 is the best martial art is boxing better or is it like kung fu it really and i really thought about that question and and i would say in general the one that has more practical real life experience is better so what i like more about boxing is for example you really get punched in the face by the opponent and you're not just doing movements in the air so um it so it depends on the individual so if if someone is a great entrepreneur has like the discipline and the habits then they can make it or he or she can make it actually as an affiliate and and if if he or she masters media buying can totally crush it without ever having to bother creating a product um same goes for the product owner the product owner could like create a crazy product that all the affiliates would flock to because he's very good at branding and conversion and making offers and pricing and product market fit and just focus on that you can totally crush it and you can like outperform any affiliate as well so i mean roi wise so i i think it's really about what you want to do where you see, like what do you, what do you enjoy more do you enjoy more like uh going deep in media buying or do you enjoy more creating great product great brand etc so that's also a factor i think that's amazing i uh, uh you're muted right now sorry yes okay i'm good i i actually got a very similar question on a podcast last month so uh my uh, answer was very similar to yours. I was so curious to see uh, what someone else would would say. Honestly, it's uh, you need to factor in one's abilities, one's IQ. Yeah. I, I talk a lot about IQ. I mean, you have people that are so kind, so on top of things. They really want to do a good job, but they simply cannot reach certain tasks because they are very complicated. You know, and I know it's not politically correct to say it's not, you know, if you don't have a high IQ, it doesn't mean you are stupid, but it's going to be very difficult to do specific tasks, right? So I think it's one of the things we fail to tell others in our positions uh, or when we give advice to what others should do with their jobs, you know, some jobs will require a high IQ, others won't. So if you think you're falling in those categories, awesome, go for it. If not, you can still make a lot of money just, you know, focusing on what the, uh, that specific person would be good at. So I actually have, I'm very selfish right now. I have a personal question that mm -hmm. you know, as a business person, I would love to know, how do you handle your time with uh, your managers? Do you feel the need to do a lot of one-on-ones? Um, are you more of a coach or do you expect people, uh, especially you as a founder, if they report to you, they should kind of know everything and, you know, only come with solutions or, uh, you know, general affirmations. I, I the, the question comes from a place I was at the conference mm -hmm. and, you know, someone on stage said, uh, if you hire someone and they're not amazing uh, from day two, like making your life better day two, 
you should really think about it. And it stuck with me because I am terrible. You know, I was bad at letting people go. So long story short, I'm so curious on how you do it. And if you have a lot of one-on-ones or if you learn to detach, how, how do you do it? Great question. Great question. Um, so there's there's a lot of levels of complexity of that problem. I would say the first thing you got to get right is to have a recruiting process that really filters out like the best people you ca can so that you can um, yeah, you can so you can actually hire the best people you can hire. And you won't be always able to hire like the most brilliant people from the get-go. Sometimes you gotta build a brand first. You cannot, you know, it's it's not that you can hire the best people from the get-go, and it's also that um it's if someone can do everything, he or she might be an entrepreneur. And that these are difficult people to hire, so you basically still want to have a team of people who like to be an employee and who who don't have like this um, entrepreneur gene because it's impossible to work with them. Uh, so this is also like a level of of that um, that has to be taken into account when you look at that problem. But nevertheless. Um, of course, the main question is, if you're hiring people, is this person making my life easier or is, it my it's, is he or she making my life harder in general? Um, there is a differentiation because, of course, some things can be taught and some things you just have to give a little bit of leeway for the person to learn. Uh, and other things are sh should be like um, yeah, the person should be resourceful enough to learn it by themselves or to Google it by themselves. So of course, things that they can learn by themselves, they shouldn't be bothering you too much with, in my opinion. Um, and another thing that's very very important is to have company values. Your, your company has to have values. Values are not, like for most companies, values are abstract, nice words on the wall, in the in the hallway, you know. Um, but company values, I learned this from uh, Jack Welsh, are actually guidelines, like everyday guidelines for business practice. And here's some of my guidelines that help me, let's say, automate the business a little bit more. I could actually look them up, but from the top of my head, one is the most important one is extreme ownership. That means I learned this concept from Joko Willink. He has a book, Extreme Ownership, uh, How a Navy Seals Lead and Win. It's basically the same thing. They're trying to solve a complex um, task or project in a chaotic environment where people shoot at them. And so they're under stress and those teams have to still work as a team and function like as a as an organism, so to speak, that that's productive. So I and, and the basic thing people have to do, they have to feel empowered and be empowered and not afraid of taking responsibility and ownership 
of the project, which means that they also that they don't just look at their own task, but also they look around and see what their peers are doing, what their teammates are doing in order to check on them and also make sure they're doing good as well and they're making progress as well. And sometimes you got to step in to help your teammate. This kind of spirit is like super important. That's extreme ownership. Next thing is learned this. The next one I learned from Tony Robbins on his business <laughs> it sounds like an advertising <laughs> uh video but i mean of course <laughs> <laughs> i i'm not i'm not you know i'm not making any commissions on that <laughs> but um i learned this the next i just want to give credit to you know because these aren't my own ideas i'm just like you know an average intelligent guy who just learns from other people as well that are smarter than me so tony robbins uh business mastery can really recommend this um seminar he has this concept of clarifying verifying it's it's awesome you know like where do chains break usually at their weakest spot okay what's the weakest spot is like misinformation between two people or misunderstandings if i say hey um can you please finish that task for me and then your definition of finish that task or of what what does it, what does it actually mean could be different from mine it could be very different and we both could be right but still the thing uh wasn't done and this is where like supply chains break usually so if you have the value of clarify and verify if it's in your company culture if it's if it's in, ingrained in your team if they really live by that they will not be afraid of asking maybe twice even excuse me let's just take the time for that did i get it right you want me to do such and such and then you can confirm yes or no and if not how and then we can reaffirm if this was understood correctly because sometimes because usually the sender has the duty and is obligated for the receiver to receive the right information and then just say oh i told you this but I, i i thought you meant this or that so it's very practical clarify and verify is it's great another company value is of course fun and like if you see someone not enjoying their job then um he or she should do something else do something differently or leave the company And you can say it because we have joy as a company value and people should enjoy uh, the work because the work already is hard enough. The economy is hard enough. It's tough. Business is tough. So at least we have to, we have to enjoy it and we have to be people who enjoy it. Like the, these are some, and if, if, for example, I see like someone hating their job, even if they're good at it, I would suggest them to leave the companies because, you know, They have to they have to enjoy it. And this is also like something that that you could see coming. And and then we have values like, um, of course, transparency and directness. You know, I don't want to sh sugarcoat. I can't. I mean, you are very direct. I know that from our last uh, conversation. And uh, yeah, we have that as a company value. So I'm it's it, I'm obliged to tell you the truth. And if I think your work sucks, then I have to I'm obliged to say it. Yeah, excuse me. And and vice versa, of course. If I do something wrong as a leader, then I also must know it because otherwise, how can I improve anything? So these are 
these are some uh, some of our company values and they help you manage a lot and then um regarding one-on-ones yes it's important to talk to the leaders on a regular basis on a one-on-one -on -one basis to really know what's going on and to really create that let's say that that trust environment because let's not forget digistore 24 maybe your company too is mainly remote so people are not sitting in one office together they're sitting there at digistore we're we we are from about 40 countries or yeah it's 40 countries and and i think more than 40 different languages people speak so we're so distributed, um, we have to talk. So because written information is not enough. So I, yes, I would talk to lead leaders on a regular basis and see how they're doing. And if we're all on board with the same thing and if there's problems, then we solve them. But of course, these meetings, they have to be effective. They have to have an agenda. They have to have like, okay, a, an outcome. So what's the outcome of the meeting? What's the reason of that meeting? What are kind of the bullet points we need to go through? And then we must feel like, okay, this meeting was productive. And if the meeting is not productive, then we should just end it and prepare it for the next time so that it can be productive. Does that answer your question? It does. It's so beautiful. And actually the verifying and confirming, I didn't know that. I honestly didn't. And that's so beautiful because as I was nodding, one of my employees that does that. So whenever I send her an email, she confirms that she receives it and she's on it. So she doesn't assume that I that she's just going to take care of it because I emailed her. And I always love that, right? I realized yeah. that I love that. And she's verifying with me, okay, I'm on this. I'm going to be doing this. And then she lets me know when it's done. And I love it. So I'm going to implement it as part of our Great. values. I'm going to steal that from yeah. you. Um, Make it a company culture thing. Make it a value. Make it official. Say, hey, you're invited to do so. This way we'll avoid mistakes. It will cost a few seconds more with every meeting for every meeting or maybe a minute, but you'll make less mistakes. Absolutely. I love it. And, you know, about being direct, that's so important. I mean, I love humans inherently and I, I genuinely try to be kind, but it's so important for people to be comfortable. And that's part of our values for people to not take things personally, especially when people communicate from a place of kindness. If we are to interpret everything uh, everyone says online, it can be such a frustrating industry if you yeah. don't learn to do that. Because if you get online and an affiliate is upset about his payment or a product owner needs help with his fulfillment or a, you know another entrepreneur that's a friend needs help with a sponsorship. And if you're going to take uh, everything they say personally or twisted it's going to get very complicated quick so being direct you know i told you this before i admire that about you and it's i honestly think it's the only people that are direct and transparent are going to be the ones that are still relevant and working with us in 10 years from now it's it's just the way it has to be right from uh, from a business perspective so I'm, I actually took a lot of mental notes and I'm so grateful that, <laughs> that I asked. It's, it's brilliant. I mean, I know I have no idea 40 countries. I mean, I always think we're diverse because we have, I think 12 or 13. So 40, oh, amazing. So cool. So cool. I mean, that's, that's the way of the future. 
testing it, it, it could be 30 and 40 languages one of those but it, i mean it's, 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 it's 40 and 30 yeah if it's over 20 i think that's impressive and kudos to yeah. you guys for looking globally i think i think Thank that's you. beautiful it's so cool uh well if you don't mind i know i said we're going to keep this to 30 or 40 minutes but it has been so much fun do you mind if we take just like two three questions from of course from it's it's fine it's fine Beautiful. Thank you. So I'm going to scroll up here. I don't know if you can see the questions too. Uh, let's see. Sven, what's the biggest mistake you see affiliates making when they start out in this industry? The biggest mistake basically is giving up too early. So there's so many people creating user accounts at Digistore24 and then they're messing around a little bit and then they they see, oh, uh, mm, actually, traffic costs a bit of money, and then they give up, and because they they have they have limited beliefs, and they they don't really believe in themselves, and what, and and they don't believe in the fact that if they stay at it, then they will ultimately make it, and probably they'll have the same pattern in other areas of life as well, because everything is just long term. Nothing works short term, really. Like, um, even. Like even things like, you know, things like weight loss or being healthier is a long-term thing. And so is business. And so is being an affiliate. So um, the other mistake is that they don't work honestly. They don't work. Uh, they make false claims. That's what some do in order to help, you know, uh, with conversion. But that backfires because then you get blocked or banned or something. That's also like don't don't try to take shortcuts. Be be real, be honest. You know, I've I've seen a case where an affiliate kind of page for a product that was sold on our platform, and the affiliate added like a twenty four hotline for customers, which wasn't there in reality. So people, you know, their their customers they bought assuming that there's a twenty four hour hotline, which doesn't exist. So there were all refunds at the end and chargebacks. So don't do that. I've I've seen it. Uh, I I have the the same war stories and also when they copy things. Yeah. Not not cool. Not a long term goal. All right, beautiful. Next one. Uh, hey Sven, what are the main trends you can see coming in the affiliate marketing space in two thousand and twenty two? So the biggest industries will still be BizOp, how to make money, um, weight loss, as we talked about, and of course, spirituality and dating relationships, personal development, but also crypto stuff and NFTs. Like this will be a big trend because a lot of people are making a lot of money in crypto and NFT and there's economic pressure. And so there will be more people talking about that stuff. Even I started to talk about that. And I'm and and for me it's it's not that easy to talk about that because I don't feel like I'm entitled to you know I I don't feel like being a crypto expert or whatnot but I cannot keep my mouth shut because it's so relevant and important we we cannot ignore these things even if we're web two. <laughs> Oh, I love it. All right. So last one. And just because this one uh, goes hand in hand with uh, this mm -hmm. answer, do you think NFTs will transform or diversify to maintain their popularity? 
I think the market of NFTs will be clean. There's a lot of shit, shitty products that are NFTs because everyone we we call them in the in the NFT in the NFT community we call them cash grabs. And most NFTs, I would say, ninety five percent are just cash grabs when people are just trying to jump on the train and make money, and they will be wiped out after a while because it's. So, I mean, I think it's so lame if you're trying to, you know, if you're trying to sell an NFT and it just sits there and you're trying to sell it for three ETH, which equals about I don't know nine thousand US dollars, and it it and then it goes just goes down in value. If you really want to keep an NFT valuable, you have to build a great community of collectors that value your NFTs and that would trade your NFTs within their within the, that community, which is, for example, um, which Gary Vee is, for example, doing. So, yeah, this NFT market will be very different. It will professionalize. It will be a lot more NFT creators that are way more professional. And um, hopefully... The cash grabs and scammy ones will get demotivated, but I'm not sure, really sure if that happens. But I think um, only the serious good ones will really remain, and the others will just make feel people bad. And maybe they will earn a few thousand, but um, I don't think they can create a sustainable business with that. Amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time to answer those. And as a final act, uh, the light motif of the podcast, mm -hmm. uh, I would love for you to share something. It can be something that you do that helps you be a better entrepreneur. It's something you learn and you really want to share with mm -hmm. others. It can be what if, if the highlight of what uh, people should be taking out of today's podcast. But I really just want you to share something that's really important to you, that you feel mm -hmm. the need to tell others from your experience, because God knows you're so successful and many aspire to be. So please share with us something that's, that you have learned and it's really valuable. Oh yeah, I, I'm really a big fan of David Goggins and his book, Can't Hurt Me. It's a story, like he's a famous guy, it's a story of a former Navy SEAL who without training, ran 100 miles, et cetera, et cetera. He's, he does crazy things in order to build his character and his mind. And uh, he, he inspired me to do a lot of the things I'm doing. Um, I For having more energy, I do uh, the Wim Hof method, which is breathing exercises combined with uh, cold water exposure. So in the mornings, you can see it on my Instagram at Sven. P-L-A-T-T-E-S-V-E-N. You can, uh, <laughs> sometimes I make photos while sitting in some lake in the winter in Switzerland and uh, ta start talking just for creating, for the sake of creating content and for exercising my content muscle, basically. Uh, it's great. It gives you so much more energy. And the mindset that you learn from this book can't hurt me. So inspiring, so amazing. Because we are really too soft, including myself. Like, you know, when when in 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 the Western world, in the civilized Western world, we every one of us is growing way too soft. So we're we're so comfortable with everything. It's it's all it almost like from from my it almost disgusts me how comfortable we are i see people you know being too lazy to walk so that they use these electric 
things to you know move around and scooters and i'm like how stupid is that you know we we have this body and we can only maintain it if we use it and using means not just in a comfortable way but also in a way that brings us outside of our comfort zone and so and, and there's may, so many things in your business life where, where you need a, a certain mindset and a certain resilience and a certain character that you only can develop if you do if you get some suffering suffering the, the ice bath breathing exercises you know uh, working out so that it really hurts etc you need to build that character that resilience so that you don't break don't break down when you have a difficult email in front of you and you're like oh and i've seen it with myself you know i also like i, I had times where i was too soft now if, if the email was like oh too much work i would be like i would start being tired and i was really like you know putting it off these little things but i noticed that and i'm like okay what can i do to to become tougher towards myself not unfriendly but like against myself i want to be tough because i i cannot you know because my my desires are so stupid you know i i want to i i'm constantly hungry i didn't drink enough oh, i need another coffee and i have all these thoughts while trying to get work done no finish your fucking task excuse me i'm not supposed to swear here sorry i was so passionate about it but yeah these are some things you can do and that that really helped me be become a better businessman and person so everyone uh listening or watching when you see me next time in a cold lake you know who gave me the idea uh, I'm going to try it. I, I'm going to try it. I've never tried it, but I'm all about trying things that go outside of my comfort zone. We need to be tougher 100%. We're too soft. We take things personally. And it, it's not against kindness to be tough. That's, I think, my personal mantra besides leading with kindness. It's okay to be tough. It's important. We can build empires. We can help a lot of people that can help themselves financially. If we learn to be tougher and not, you know, obsess over a tone that someone had, obsess over yeah. an email over a thing someone said when they were too you know tired or even the physical stuff. I mean, how many people told me when I tried to hire them, but do I have to work eight hours? Yes, you have to work eight hours. If you want to make money, that's, I mean, the least you can do. So it's brilliant. Guys, I, you heard me rant about this before. So I promise I, this was not stage. Sven really thinks like that as well. <laughs> Amazing. And I hope you don't mind. I want to share something with everyone that you told me when we had the podcast yes, last time. Remember, you told me you force yourself to do boring things. Yeah. That's fantastic. I mean, what have you done lately to to, to force yourself to do something boring? Was it a, a book that you didn't really enjoy? Yeah. Yeah. I read, I read books that just have text and no illustrations and no bullet points and stuff like that. Like, so really just old school books. Uh, what I also do a lot is um, I go for a walk without a smartphone this is also very important and i um i try to minimize noise and distractions anything that like creates unnecessary distraction notifications i i make it a point to not and i'm tempted but to not like constantly check my smartphone 
the, this is a big thing. Yeah, because it's, um, it, it's kind of boring if you don't check your smartphone. But if I see that, okay, then I intentionally don't do it. And I also a big thing was just focus on one thing while you're doing this thing. Don't don't try to do multitasking. But multitasking has this this for some reason this good reputation. Uh, yeah, I'm a multitasker. I'm so good. And some people actually brag in job interviews about it. But I don't I don't really believe in multitasking. It just it's our brain is not designed for it. Especially if you're a man, like women, maybe. But women also, I believe, are would be more efficient if they would just uh, bring their tasks in line and don't uh, be distracted from other things. Um, so yeah, not to try to multitask makes my life a lot more boring, but I think a lot better. I love it. I agree. Well, I actually uh, gave up a lot of calls and meetings because they. I, I realized how unproductive they are, how they keep you hyped. So when you turn on your camera and you have a Zoom, you're more hyped than just typing or writing a process or doing something that's going to help work on the business. So I barely have any calls and it really helped even if it's more boring, as you said, it's, you know, it's, we need to, we need to be bored. I mean, yeah. we're making, it's like, we're, we're not supposed to be excited because then we get the instant gratification and we're not going to appreciate the good stuff because we get them all the time. So, all right. So I could go on for another hour or two. So we're just going to have to repeat the, 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 the circle. We'll, with the podcast, we'll keep doing it every few months because we, uh, I, I, I love it. And yeah. thank you again. I know how busy you are running uh, your empire. So I appreciate you so much for taking the time. Thanks for having me, Anna. It's really fun. I agree. I agree. So everyone watching, thank you again. You can listen to us on Spotify, Google, Apple. You know the deal by now. But please make sure to watch on YouTube as well. Uh, Sven is amazing. And uh, I hope you enjoy it. Leave any comments. We always like to bring in guests that will make your life easier. So thank you, everyone, for watching. I love you all. And please send us as many comments as you need to for us to be able to make your life better and easier. And Sven, thank you again. You are a star and I really appreciate you. Thank you so much. Looking forward to next time.